I'm Shannon. I'm Mark. And this is Dirt Sailor the Podcast. You can find us on Podbean, Apple, and Spotify. We also have Facebook and Instagram pages under Dirt Sailor Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back in studio. Welcome back. Happy to be here. Another day, another podcast. Yes, and we're going to talk about somebody I swore we wouldn't talk about two weeks ago. I'm going to put duct tape over your mouth. (laughs) It's going to be Sailor Shannon only. Whatever it takes. Monologue. Well, when you watch our senator, well, he's not our senator, but he's our senator from Kentucky, Mr. Rand Paul, in a subcommittee meeting, go after uh, Dr. Fauci again. And you watch the responses from Dr. Fauci and how he's totally toned down. And one of the things he mentioned kind of caught my attention, which was the fact that he was willing to risk lives. And I'm not paraphrasing. These are my own words. But if you go back and listen to it, you'll understand what I'm saying. That they did a risk assessment and what they were doing was fully acceptable, even if it leaked out of the lab. A certain percentage of death was okay. It must be nice to be so full of yourself that you've decided that everybody else's life does not matter. At 80 years old, he's willing to play God. He thinks he is God. He thinks he is God. Yep, it was a uh, pretty cool subcommittee meeting because Mr. Rand Paul is always prepared. And he talked a little bit about how the NIH changed their labeling of gain of function and that Dr. Fauci only changed that or had them change it. So when uh, Dr. Paul talked to him about gain of function and him changing the terminology through the NIH from gain of function to whatever it's been changed to, that he told him he basically did that to cover his butt. How convenient for him now, now that the truth is out or some of the truth, we don't even know if this is the full truth really and so now that some of the truth is out he's decided that he will say this piece of the puzzle because he only releases those pieces of the puzzle as he gets caught and it's been true the whole entire pandemic we don't need masks then it turned out we do need masks but i just wanted to tell you that we don't need masks because i wanted the medical community to get it so we do need masks Oh, okay. Well, I heard that double masking might help. Oh, yes, it can't hurt. Let's do it. Well, why didn't you tell us about double masking six months before, 12 months before, whatever the case may be? I can't remember how long it took him to go from no mask to one mask to double masking. But he changes every time he's confronted. So we don't know if he just hasn't been confronted enough. Absolutely. One of the things that really concerns me, though, is these guys have top secret clearances back there. So they're all in the know. So they've known what's happened since day one, and they know now. As far as most top secret clearances go, you're cleared for specific information. Just because you have a top secret clearance doesn't mean you can go looking at everything that's classified as top secret. Absolutely not. But it doesn't mean that that they don't know about stuff that's going on. They typically know. Well, there's so much leakage back there in D.C. It's like a boat with a bunch of holes in it. So one that does have uh, a top secret clearance that's in the know and is allowed to look at that particular information, I guarantee you they're passing it on to their fellow senators and congressmen under the guise that they don't say anything. I would buy that. What I, I was what I was going to get at is Dr. Paul, Rand Paul, Senator Kentucky. He always brings up a 25% number and a 50% number. And those two numbers relate to uh, stuff they're working on in these labs that could have a death rate or kill rate of 25% or 50% if they were inadvertently released. Now, see, he obviously knows something that others don't, or he's heard something from somebody. And 50% is civilization ending. And from what I understand, he mentioned a couple of labs um, in the U.S. that are doing the same type of gain-of-function research. And if that is, in fact, true, um, we, need to, we need to ask or demand a halt to that stuff now. Yeah, I, don't, I won't pretend that I understand every reason why they do these certain things. But something that I do find surprising is that we not only 
made this risk. I shouldn't be surprised at making certain risks, but we not only made this risk, we decided to work with our enemy. And China is our enemy because they have a completely different mindset than us. They view their people differently than we do. And their level of communism, I guess you can say, is so high up there that they would be willing to throw every person in China under the bus to achieve their ends. And that's who we decided to give this type of research and information to and work with. Absolutely. But if you listen to Fauci during a subcommittee meeting, he said we've been working with China on infectious diseases for 30 years plus. Too long. Yes. And, and you just nailed it on. Why would you work with your enemy? And we don't know. Maybe what the bat lady was doing was actually legitimate research at first. But the, the Wuhan lab, from what I understand from news outlets, also is partially owned by the Chinese communist military. So how do you know that she didn't go home for the night and one of their scientists didn't walk in there, mix a little cocktail, and then she takes over the lab the next day, doesn't have any idea what they've done, and then now she's inadvertently released the beast. Yeah, true story. We wouldn't know, we won't know, and then we. what we do know, though, is that China will cover it up. China worked with the World Health Organization to cover up the fact that there was COVID-19, as it was ultimately termed, in their city, in their country. Taiwan is the one that finally publicly outed China and the World Health Organization. And even then, it wasn't to a, a vast degree. It was to a minimal degree. Only what they would give us. Only, only the very specific information. Okay, it's out there. Let's give this little bite-sized piece. Well, they're dirty, they being China and their military and that lab, they're dirty for not helping out from day one. Yes. We're dirty by giving them money to actually do this testing, to humanize mice and then to inject different materials into them. And then I, I would bet when they realize that, oh my gosh, this thing can spread like wildfire. Some of them were happy, some of them were sad. And then whomever released it was ecstatic. Yeah, when they you had doctors talking about it too, they disappeared them and silenced them, and they were only too willing to cut their people down as much as needed. So what we do in communist countries, you have the top tier, and then everybody else is subservient. Yes, and they are definitely known for their human rights violations, not only against their their people, but against others that they've termed to be less than them. Absolutely. Did you watch any news this week on election cycles and what's going on back in the uh, eastern part of our country? So I did, but I, I have one other thing that I heard about Dr. Fauci that I just read this morning. So I wanted to say it before we move on in the, and then we will talk about what's been going on on the east coast. Sounds awesome. Dr. Fauci actually covered a new subject. It wasn't about COVID. I know he he technically is an expert in different things, so they, they come to him. But he actually talked about normal human bodily functions. And I read it this morning that everyone at some time poops themselves, and that is normal or has incontinence, I, I guess technically is what he said, uh, among um, pooping yourself. So apparently the word around Rome when Biden visited was that he was late to his press conference because he had pooped himself and had to get cleaned up. Huh. And so Dr. Huh. Fauci was busy normalizing that. Um, so I read that this morning. So just in case you were wondering, that is totally normal to poop yourself. So I get a pass. <laughs> you get a pass. I get a pass. You know, when you're just out there and you got a press conference to go to and you poop yourself, totally normal. Nice. I'll make sure that I tell my wife that. To, to talk about what's been going on on the East Coast. So I was following some of the Virginia-related elections that were going on. And I know that there were other states and other areas that were having this kind of off-cycle election. I was following 
the Democrat and Republican contenders in Virginia because some information had come out that white supremacists were in full support of the Republican uh, contender Youngkin. And in fact, they had come out wearing these khaki pants and and holding their, their tiki torches. I believe there was about five of them went to his rally, stood out in front of his bus and said, we support Youngkin, we're, we're pro him. And as people started looking at who these individuals were, it turns out they were Democrats, they were pro-Democrat party, and uh, basically it was a stunt. It was a stunt because the Democrat contenders, or sorry, the, the individuals who were holding the tiki torches said that because Youngkin had not come out and publicly decried racist incidents from 2017 that he was not good for the people and he was racist himself and pro-white nationalists. So he was supposed to have declared racist things that had happened in, in the past. And I'm not saying we shouldn't declare things racist, but I, in normal conversation or even on this podcast, don't drum up whichever incident I can find and say, this is racist, this is racist, this is racist. Yes, things are racist. They shouldn't be hidden. They shouldn't be brushed away. But is it the responsibility of everyone who ever speaks or runs for office to find every incidence of racism and and denounce it? You can never get them all. There's always going to be racism. And unfortunately, we have to work the best we can to try to mitigate it, which is basically what the new lieutenant governor has said, Mrs. Winsome Sears, who's from Jamaica, her father's from Jamaica, obviously. She was a U.S. Marine. She's now a lieutenant governor, first one in their history, a woman and black. Yet the liberal media has basically come out this morning and said she is just a black mouthpiece for white supremacists. Where these people come up with this, I have no idea. All they have in their toolbox is racism, racism, supremacy, supremacy. And that tells you they're deflecting from the real issues, which is they have no fix for anything. They're the ones that created the problem. They're the ones that think they can fix it. And when somebody comes out that can actually fix it, they go out of their way to belittle, slam them, and not give them the opportunity to rise to the top and fix it. Correct. So I would like to to look at that and talk about Miss Winsome Sears. As you noted, she is an immigrant. She immigrated when she was six years old. She joined the Marine Corps, believing in this country, wanting to fight for the country. And she became a U.S. citizen after she joined the Marine Corps. So she considers herself an immigrant, a Marine, but first and foremost, an American. She is the first woman, as you stated, she is the first woman in the state of Virginia to hold a statewide office. And she is the first woman of color and the first woman to do that, in fact. And she seems like a truly amazing person. Just everything that's coming out about her, I I feel like I can't know enough. And her story is just so powerful. Absolutely. And she's a type of person that come 2024, I hope that the Republican National Committee entertains looking at her for a presidential run or a VEEP run. No, she can't be president. Uh, she cannot be president because she's she not a U.S. Not born, citizen. Correct. Not born U.S. Not citizen. born U.S. citizen. Yep. Right. So I, I do hope that the Republican Party does look at her, looks at her for a representative whether that be a House of Reps or... Senatorial room. Yes, yes, I think that yes. that would be amazing. Or even a cabinet-level position once the, you know, whoever is elected, hopefully Republican, but whoever is elected. Or independent. I'll even go independent at this point. Well, great point. I was thinking that you only had to be 35 years old to run for president these days. 35, must have been a born citizen. Do not have to be born inside the confines of the United States. You can be born in another country as long as you had citizenship, birthright uh, status, so your parents were citizens, could convey that to you upon your birth. So you could have been born just like John McCain in Panama. You could have been born in Canada. 
any number of places. So I believe Mitt Romney was born in Mexico, correct? That sounds right. I think his parents were missionaries. Yes. Weren't they on a mission? But they I were. They still so. conveyed yes. their U.S. citizenship to Even him. Even though when he started to run for president, I believe the first, maybe the second time, the uh, left went out of their way to try to make him a non-U.S. citizen. Him and John McCain. Actually, yes. John McCain had to prove that he was a citizen by birth during his 2008 run, but that started, I think, in 07. He had to prove that not only was he born to U.S. citizen parents, that the law conveyed at the time that he could be a citizen, because our laws actually are written in such a fashion for children that you have to show, it's up to you to show that you met the requirements to to gain that citizenship, and then you can register it at, say, a uh, consulate. So quick question. Who's the number three in line in the event that something happens to the president or vice president? The Speaker of the House, and that would currently be Madam Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi, which means that a House member that is a non-U.S. citizen or was not born here cannot be the Speaker of the House? No, they can be the Speaker of the House. It's just that the line of secession would skip them. So, for instance, our current head of the Department of Homeland Security was born in Cuba, Mr. Alejandro Mayorkas. And so if you're looking at all of the cabinet level positions that in the line of succession of who could take over and they they go from, you know, top down, he would be skipped over because he cannot lawfully become the president. I was thinking that Pelosi's from Mars, so I hope they skip her. I don't know if our constitution covers intergalactic bursts. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, it's funny. What you got on your hot list today for topics? Well, and I wanted to go back. So looking at Virginia, one of the other things that had come up was Luden. Uh, it, it's been a topic of our conversation on this podcast before. And one of the things that they were saying during this election cycle for the governorship was that Republicans were making something out of nothing, which was CRT. If you looked at all the pundits, um, MSNBC and all of them, if you looked at them, they said CRT had not been implemented. It was a talking point for Republicans and they were making something out of nothing. Like they were they were literally making a mountain out of out of nothing because it didn't exist yet in Virginia. However, research was done and on the Virginia Department of Education website, Starting at least in 2015, there was a presentation that was given that was uploaded to their site that specifically mentions CRT. It wasn't some fancy wording that someone trying to make into CRT. It actually said critical race theory. So the pundits all over the media was saying that CRT doesn't exist. And you could maybe even say that although they uploaded this, it might not have been implemented in the classroom. Okay. But Luden paid $34,000 just this year for CRT coaching for their teachers. So if you are coaching your teachers in CRT, if you have presentations on CRT, why are you telling me that it doesn't exist? This is why the mainstream media holds no credibility because they are telling me that something doesn't exist that I can see with my eyes. Because they either don't do the research or they're big fibbers or they just don't care because they think the American people are dumb and won't pay attention. Just so happens that our, I believe it's the director of Homeland Security. So guess who sells this program to people across the U.S. is CRT, Critical Race Theory. His son. What? So every time that a parent was talking about CRT, that's why there was so much pushback, or supposedly that's why there was pushback, is because his son makes hundreds of thousands, if not millions, off of this selling the program. Are we talking about Alejandro Mayorkas's son or another higher up? No, the one that was going to be a judge, but he didn't have the opportunity to go to the Supreme Court because of the end of the Obama term. Oh, so maybe it's uh, not Homeland oh, Security, maybe no, no, it's the no. other gentleman. Uh, Garland. 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 He's the attorney. No. Attor- attorney General? 
No, isn't yes, that Xavier they keep calling him, No, they keep calling no. him general during his subcommittee meeting. So he's, I'm sorry, my bad. So it no is, worries. It is it's, him. It's hard to follow some of them. But sometimes. his son is the one that's pushing CRT across the nation because like the Bidens who take money from criminals, apparently this judge was a criminal himself. He was asked to put in a letter explaining all of this to another subcommittee and he never did because he didn't feel that it was a conflict of interest. Wow. You know what else is not a conflict of interest? My art. I, I'm, I'm going to get adopted by the Bidens so I can sell my art for $500,000. I think I'm going to do that as well. I'm pretty good with stick figures, so I think I could get six figures for my figures. <laughs> six figures for some stick figures? Uh-huh. Six figures for some stick figures. They are all criminal. All of them. Like, even ones that you like, you're like, hey, I like you. I'm going to vote for you. As my grandmother said, I will vote for you one time. After that, the chances are you're criminal. Well, that's why there should be term limits. She knew that. She was able to forecast in the future back in the 80s because she understood that money breeds corruption and a person gets elected to office once and once they start getting into the swing of things and people start giving them money to go to dinners and the things that they're technically not supposed to do for them, that's when they start getting corrupt because now they know they're tainted and then it's all downhill from there. So there was recently a, speaking of money, there was recently a gentleman who ran against a Democrat. The Democrat had a coffer, had coffers of like a million dollars for his run. And he had been one of the longest serving in that particular state. And a truck driver came in and I believe he spent $150. Yes, something very minimal. And it was just enough to like file. Apparently he still went to work every day when he got off of work, he would go door to door, him and, and his volunteers would go door to door saying who he was, what he was running on. And he only had a Facebook page and I believe that's because it was free. So he did not buy a website. He did not market himself in that way. He, he just had a Facebook page so you can read about him and he went door to door. And I believe he unseated the guy and he won. That is what I am understanding. I know they're still certifying different things, but I believe he won by a margin of 4%. At least that's what I was hearing, 4%, which was is huge because usually less than 1% can trigger a recount. So he actually, this, this nobody, and I'm not saying he's an actual nobody, but somebody without a name, somebody without money, somebody no name without recognition. backing. Yes. And so it just kind of shows that what we could have when we have a lack of money involved, no oh, million dollar schemes. And he's like the Pacific Islanders to like to do what they say, talk story. And apparently he went door to door and he talked story to potential constituents. They liked what he had to say and he is a one-time runner, so he's <laughs> honest right now. Yes, yeah, so uh, we'll see what happens after, after this cycle, but I thought that was a truly amazing story. Truly amazing. Oh, fantastic story. And he'll only do one term because they'll figure out a way to spend $2 million or whatever amount they can legally to knock him off the pedestal. Yeah, they'll move money around, super PACs, all of that stuff. Yeah, they'll have uh, these guys that own these websites to help take him out. So if you look at our representatives themselves, we have representatives in many levels of government, but it seems to be, I hear most vocally at the federal level, where they are supporting different people, different movements. We saw this in in Virginia. In fact, they had President Obama and a few other high-profile people. I think even the president, but current president and vice president stumped for the Democrat there in Virginia. But we have them coming out. We see the money moving around. We see all of this stuff. Well, one of the big things that has come out in the last I would say the last year and a half, although it's been around longer, is the defund the police movement. So some of the most vocal people on defunding the police have private security. So absolutely, it's because they're elitist. Yeah. And it, well, I was going to say it seems to be a little bit classist to me. Yeah, they make a six-figure income, uh, and that's just off of their base salary. A lot of things are reimbursed for them. Their travel to and from. 
all of these different things can be reimbursed. So they have reimbursements for travel. Sometimes they even get book deals based on who they are and what their story is. And you have you, me, the regular guys, and we rely on public services of the police, which now we're supposed to do with less. Kind of brings me to the January 6th insurrection in D.C. Those elitists felt criminalized, brutalized, and scared to death. But what they don't realize is cities and counties across this country that have the highest crime rates, they live in insurrection every single day. People in L.A. shot every day by the hundreds. People in Detroit by the hundreds. Talking about defunding police. And Chicago. Yes, and Chicago. So if these elitists would actually wake up and realize they're really not what they say they are, things would probably get better. And just to touch on on the police departments, we can say that we want different actions to happen, whether it's to have maybe more social workers to come out, because not every single situation requires a police officer. I don't think that everybody can be everyone's everything all the time. So having the right trained individuals to respond to specific events is important. And I can respect that we want to move in a direction where we maybe have trained psychologists, trained social workers, et cetera, come onto the scene. But how about instead of straight out defunding the police, we make a, a slide scale move where we try to get the positions filled and then maybe the next time a police officer position becomes available, we could actually just do away with one position. We, we've now staffed up a little bit and we can start through natural attrition removing those positions because we've slid them off into another area if that's what works for that area. Not every area is going to be able to have the same thing. Well, here goes my simpleton line because I'm just a simple guy. These people create the problem, and then they demand that they have to fix it. And they fix it in such a fashion that they would not accept the same things happening to them, meaning I have to call 911 to get a police response, but they have private security, so they're they're cool. Absolutely, and it seems like we've been seeing this get more intense over the last 10 years maybe and it's interesting that back in the 40s 50s and 60s racism was very prevalent crime wasn't as prevalent it was still there but there wasn't 24-hour news cycles and it seems like the closer we're getting to most races getting along really well some of these democrats are still trying to drum up separation by pitting us against each other so that's an interesting point that you bring up we have I believe it was Plessy v. Ferguson that said separate but equal is okay. And then with the types of Brown v. the Board of Education of Topeka, Kansas, we came around to this part where we realized separate but equal was separate but not equal. And we are not perfect. We have not done things in a manner that just says, oh, look, we made the switch. Look, this Supreme Court decision came down and everything was good after that. No, we've had individuals and representatives fighting to still have separate but equal throughout the years after after it was said we won't have it and we have individuals uh, such as martin luther king jr and and many other individuals who became vocal and said you know what we've had enough this is enough this is not okay having a bus system where somebody can't sit down because they are of the wrong color and and there's a specific seat and they have to go, you know, to the back of the bus is not okay. And we, we need to fight those fights and we need to make sure that we are doing the right things. But we do seem to be in a place now where we are saying we want separate again. We're hearing that they want specific dorm rooms for specific you know ethnic and ethnic individuals we want to have specific areas only for specific people we are now trying to move back to separate i'm not sure that we're equal i'm not sure that it's supposed to be equal but separate spaces so we can feel okay and i just feel like that's the wrong direction if we need to move in that direction because people are unsafe people are not in a good space, then we need to address that as a whole. 
but we run into the situation where either we're not addressing it or we're creating something that doesn't exist in some cases. So, oh, look, everything's going good. Everything in this area is fine, but I need to pit people against each other so I can create the problem and then I can run in with the solution. Absolutely. It is a false flag. And if you listen to the new lieutenant governor of Virginia, she explains basically that in her own words, saying she is the American dream. She loves this country. She's tired of people pitting races against each other because that's not what we're about. And if you do a consensus nationwide of not the elitists and the people that run the country, but the actual citizenry, you'll find out it's nowhere near what they're making it out to be. I would say probably 5% of the population is racist. But if you go, Mark, and look at any country in the world, they're at that number or higher. You look at places like the Middle East, where they come up with tribal sex, and then the tribes hate each other. That's kind of the philosophy that I think the Democrats have adopted, is that they want to divide us all into ethnic groups, races, tribes, and then they can command and control us because we're not together as one unit. One of the things that comes to mind when you bring that up is my time in Japan. Japan is... I believe still ethnically 99% Japanese. It is very hard to immigrate and become a citizen in their country. They have a belief that if you weren't born there, if you weren't a born Japanese person, your assimilation into the country is very unlikely through language, through belief system, that it is very unlikely and they want to keep that unity that they have, that belief system, and that kind of one mindset, and that is very hard to break through. And I wouldn't necessarily go to Japan and say, you're wrong, you should be more like me or more like this country or or whatnot. But there are countries that make it a truly like you have to be one of us and that's it. I don't I personally don't want to be that country. I love other countries. I love Japan. I love many things about Japan. But I also know that that is not a good mindset for America with exception of we should all be one in working together to achieve our American dream. I think that's one thing about our family is we're pretty well mixed. We have one, two, three great great nephews and nieces I have that are half Hispanic, half white awesome little kids i believe we have some hawaiians in the mix and i believe we have a german italian polish there's a bunch of us in this mix here so you're right having a salad bowl mix like that's incredible isolating and just being one is not that's kind of hitler-esque if you ask me trying to have the perfect race or only one race right i i don't think that that we need to be, we need, okay, so I do think that we need to be one in one country, one unifying movement, but I think that that looks so different from what some are trying to make it be. Yes, and I believe Australia is like that, aren't they? You can only, or at least they used to be, you can only work there. You cannot live there permanently or become a citizen of Australia. At least that's the way it used to be years ago. They have more openness now with um, going there, but there are, sometimes it can be very hard to get a visa. Get a visa and then become a citizen there. You actually, a lot of times you have to have money. The reason I mention that is because Australia was a place I thought I'd like to live. Because I thought it paralleled or was really close to the United States of America until this COVID thing hit. And we got to see the real side of a, are they socialist? Are they quasi-socialist capitalist or... I think they're quasi because they do have like medical care that you can get and different social programs, but I don't think they're fully a socialist nation. Well, I saw a news clip there, and I think we talked about it a couple, three weeks ago, that if you go out in town without your mask on to smoke a cigarette and walk your dog, you get your butt kicked. Apparently, the American penal colony and the Australian penal colony went in two vastly different directions. directions. We have diverged. Absolutely. So another thing that we brought up last week that I'd like to bring up this week is the climate change We're going to rehash old news? We're going to rehash old news. All right. I'm glad you're going to talk about that because I have something to say about it as well. Yeah, so we have the climate change conference in Glasgow where all of the world leaders are flying in on their 
jets at him uh, flying in on their jets and they're talking about climate change and gases and how people need to drive more electric vehicles according to president biden you can get across america on one tank of gas so to speak in an electric vehicle yes he fact check me that's a big battery (laughs) um how we need to use solar and have other green energy along with taxes they are asking many countries to sign on but not exactly the big culprits like china and india but there's no real expectation for them to participate i digress why don't these people start off at home If they want a better environment, we need to address the fact that we allow people in this country, in the United States of America, in certain cities, to poop and pee on the ground in public. We are paying workers now hundreds of thousands of dollars, I believe it's a month, just to go wash sidewalks. And even private businesses, such as McDonald's and the like, when employees get there in the morning, have to go pressure wash the sidewalk of poop and pee. Now, I'm not saying we need to arrest and criminalize the homeless population. That is not going to help when you don't address any underlying problems. It could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be mental health, it can be any number of things. But why don't we go to our backyard first? If we can't stop people from contaminating our streets, how are we going to stop people from contaminating the world? Absolutely. And I wonder if Dr. Fauci's ever put in his two cents about the infectious diseases from what they're washing off the streets every day. Right. We look at human waste. If you go and take human excrement and put it as fertilizer, there are certain diseases that can come with that if you you fertilize your garden with human excrement. And you you just take poop. By the way, this is something that has gone on and goes on in other countries such as North Korea they they are hard pressed for money and so a lot of people would have to bring their poop from home to give to their schools so that way they would have enough fertilizer they actually would have amounts that you were supposed to bring to the school as your contribution so that's why I bring it up and there are there are diseases that go with that there are problems that go with that And here we are saying, eh, just poop on the street. No big deal. We'll have to look at my history, but I think the Romans were the ones to first invent indoor plumbing or trenches that would run out into a low-lying area. They had to get that stuff out of the house because it was bad for you. So why don't these people stop telling us how they can save the climate when their actions don't follow their words? Practice what you preach, absolutely. If you want to be the tip of the spear, then for say goodness sakes be the tip of the spear you do first what you want your constituents to do second right if you can't take care of your own household first your own city first your own whatever first i mean would you listen to me if i said buy my cookbook watch my videos i'm going to teach you how to make the best food ever by the way I can't follow a recipe, I don't know how to cook, and I I don't know what's going on with one ingredient to the next, but buy my cookbook, gosh darn it. For $9.95, on sale now. You wouldn't follow me, so if you can't take care of your home first, why are you telling the world we're going to take care of it? Absolutely, and looking at an aerial shot of that conference, there were some really cool looking jets there, because I love airplanes, because I'm in that business kind of it was sure a lot of pollution and sure a waste of our environment when they could have done that from home by conference yes big hypocrites and and i heard that john Kerry was supposed to be there flying in on his own personal jet the climate czar he flies everywhere and then tells us how we the people who can barely afford a ticket in economy cattle class these days you have your basic economy, your seat doesn't recline, don't you dare bring a rollerboard onto the airplane, it better only be a purse size, we're going to charge you 40 bucks, etc. Oh, but us, man, cramming in there with 200 other of our favorite individuals that we just don't know yet, we're the problem. Don't forget your mask either, and they don't wear masks in their corporate jets, whether no. they're vaccinated or not. 
And you watch all of these videos of people meeting, going maskless, shaking hands. I mean, there was even one, I think it was before Biden left. I, I could be wrong. It could have actually been in Glasgow where he finishes his speech, coughs into his hands, not wearing a mask because he's speaking, coughs into his hands and then goes around shaking hands with everybody that he's supposed to shake hands with. Are you kidding? I don't care if you're vaccinated. You know what? You can pass things besides COVID. Yes, things really exist. And he coughed into his hands and then gave it to everybody else. I watched a guy do that in Costco about three weeks ago. Why? After he checked out and got his hot dog and was walking down the center aisle. And he put both his hands down at his side, turned his head and sneezed. And I'm sure if he was positive, so were about 10, 12 people about four days later. It was pretty gross. You can't stop people from being gross. We can we can do the best for ourselves, but you cannot stop other people from being gross. I'm sorry. I wish we could, but we have proven that you can't. That's why so many people with common sense are packing up and moving out of these big populated cities and centers because they want to be smaller units as family units and just um, protect themselves and stay away from these people. So on that, that fun subject of being sick and, and passing our sickness around, I had a, a thought come to mind recently because of a personal situation. It directly affected me and somebody that is a close relation of mine. So what happened was it, two separate people in two separate incidences had COVID, knowingly had COVID. I'm talking tested positive for COVID. So knowingly had COVID, didn't think like, oh, this cough might be allergies, knowingly had COVID and then went to work and wore masks, didn't wear masks. And in my case, uh, everybody at this particular establishment appeared to be wearing a mask. And then it appeared that other people at the other establishment may or may not have been wearing masks, but people knowingly went to work having COVID. I caught COVID from one of the cases and another family member caught COVID in their, their case. So, I understand there's a risk and I understand all of that, but I don't really want to talk about COVID per se. My, my question isn't related to that, but let's talk about sick leave. Is sick leave or, or saying, why didn't you take sick time? Is that coming from a place of privilege? Sick leave coming from a place of privilege? I say absolutely not. So some minimum wage jobs, they don't come with sick leave. Here in the state of California, they do. So typically they come with five days of sick leave and that's outside of COVID. If they do, five days of sick leave outside of COVID. Uh, we've had different policies here and there on COVID throughout this pandemic. So it just depends on the when, but five days. So if you got sick, let's say in February and you had the flu and you took your five days cause it was a bad bout of flu. You come back to work and you're going on. You haven't reached your year yet you haven't built up those days again, and then you get COVID. And COVID can take you down for 10 to 14 days, sometimes even more. So if you are well enough that you're still functioning, but still passing COVID around, if you're well enough that you're still functioning, but you can work through the coughing, you can work through a headache, you can work through whatever, whatever symptoms you personally have, is it a place of financial privilege to say you should have stayed home unpaid. I think that's where our government actually comes in. and Our tax dollars are supposed to be there for those type of items. If you've spent, you know, the company may not be able to afford sick time for everybody because it's a small business and most of our businesses in America are small. So it may, 70%. Yeah, it may be something that all they can do is give you the state mandated time because they just can't afford it. Or the way they do afford it is they let go a couple of employees to cover the sick time and vacations and, and other pay for the additional or the remainder of the employees. That's what taxes are for, not for giving people permanent welfare. Therefore, when you are sick because of a pandemic, then you take money out of the coffers and you make sure that this person doesn't get $1,000 for a week if they're only making 300 they get 300 to cover themselves until they're well. Okay, so you actually brought up what, what I was going to segue into is without 
big government benefits for everyone. How can we make sure that we're not coming to work sick? And you bring it up that that there are certain things that we've decided as a society, sick leave being one of them, because there is disability. And to me, this isn't a, a disability leave issue because you can pay into California state disability and get pregnancy time off and help supplement your income. Um, but this would be a situation where you get a version of disability, a sickness payment, help you, okay, you have five days, okay, you have 10 days, now you, you're you fit to return to work, let's go. So you actually touched right on that, that it's not necessarily a big government benefit, it's a, a good benefit that we've decided is necessary to keep society healthy. Absolutely, and that's what the government was supposed to be there for, to help you in cases like that, not to help freeloaders make it through society. Okay, so jumping into the economy, so going from sick leave to the economy, we're working, that's great, we're all trying to do what we can in this economy. Biden just actually gave a speech on the state of the economy and said, things are a heck of a lot better and wages have gone up faster than inflation. Wow. And this ding, 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 it's a false news or false statement (laughs) (laughs) because inflation has gone up. Pinocchios. Yes. Inflation has gone up 5.4%. And I dare say our wages have not gone up 5.4% since he's taken office. But since we heard about the cost of the 4th of July celebration being less this year under Biden with our hot dogs and ketchup and the like, Will they talk about the cost of Thanksgiving and Christmas going up by more than double? And that's more than your 5.4%. If you can have a Thanksgiving or a Christmas because of our supply chain issues, our employee issues, we can't kill turkeys, we can't find hams, pork's too expensive, bacon's I think 9 or 10 bucks a pound now. And speaking of bacon, get all the bacon you can stuff in your freezer before December 31st because next year California has implemented a law it was passed before but now it goes into practice I believe it's on January 1st I don't think it's a July 1st one on January 1st where if your your pigs don't have so much free roaming room per pig. So whatever size their pen is, they need to have so much free space, free range pigs, so to speak. If they don't, they cannot be sold in the state of California. Your bacon product, because usually they're not butchered here if they're from another state. Only one pig farm meets the criteria. And I believe that's about 4% of all pigs are in this farm. So the cost of bacon in California is going to go up even more. Wow, that sounds like when they did the methane testing here in California on cows' rear ends, and they actually invented a device to plug into their tails to capture the methane. And a lot of the dairy farmers here in the Central Valley decided we will have none of that. So they packed their cows, they packed up their milk, and they moved to, I believe it was Nevada and Arizona to get away from these crazy regulations. I don't want to pay $9 a pound for bacon. Me either. I'm, I'm having trouble right now with what I pay. And in fact, I've gone to bacon ribnets or bacon ends. It's a little more fatty, so I know some people can't go that direction because of the fat. But in order to reduce my cost on bacon, when I still have that craving for bacon, I've uh, gone to the bacon ends. Yeah, everything's out of control right now with uh, who's in office. I watch a lot of YouTube channels. I follow a lot of people in different areas of boating and racing and home building and farming and all that sort of stuff. And one of the guys I followed, he was in California in his camper, and he stayed up in the Bay Area. His camper was uh, unleaded fuel. He paid upwards of 505 a gallon. And when he made his way back to Texas, as soon as he hit Texas and had to refuel, I believe he paid 285 a gallon? So I will say that last month I took a nice little trip. I drove a rental car from Fresno, California to San Jose to fly out from San Jose to go to Missouri and pick up a, a certain pretty white pickup truck that may be made by Dodge. And that person really appreciates it. I can tell you, he's got a big smile on his face right now. Yeah, and I kept all my receipts 
turn them in to uh, get my reimbursement. I actually had to pay her back. I know, weird. I'm not that good of a daughter. It's free travel and getting to see the sights, and I still had to pay for it. Right. But when we refueled in San Jose to turn in the rental car, you paid four ninety nine a gallon. So that yeah, four ninety nine a gallon. And then as we flew out and hit all the cities on our way back, we did not pay more than that for diesel fuel at any any uh, stop along the way. So that was the biggest expense. As far as the the per gallon price, obviously filling up a truck tank is different than filling up a car tank, but per gallon price, that was the biggest one. What I saw in the receipts when I reimbursed you was the price per gallon for the margaritas. Still cheaper than four ninety nine a gallon. Yeah, I think they were three forty nine a gallon. One of the things you touched on last week in our last podcast was that. There is a claim that family units that were split up could possibly receive from the federal government $450,000 per person. So Biden did touch on that. Uh, When directly asked about that, he said that it was not going to happen. But then members of his administration are saying that he was talking about the size of the payment, not the payment itself. And so he he wasn't saying that the payments aren't going to happen, but it, it kind of sounded like he was saying that they aren't going to happen. But then they came out and, and stated that they were in fact going to happen, but four hundred and fifty thousand was not on the table. Well, if they're still here in America, depending on what community they're living in, if rent say is a thousand bucks a month for an apartment for a mom and a son or daughter or a couple kids, then I would give them enough to sustain themselves for about six months to a year, give them enough in groceries to sustain themselves six months to a year, and that would be the only payment they would receive from me. If they were back in Mexico, I would give them whatever the equivalent is in the community they're living in. I believe most of them are still here that they're looking at, but it would depend on who was a party to the lawsuit and then who could be a party to the lawsuit. Well, the problem is the attorneys were gonna are going to end up getting a majority of that money from them. If you handed the checks, if somebody from the federal government went right up to that person and said, here you go, here's a check for X, let's go to Bank of America or Wells Fargo or whichever institution, we'll help you set up an account, we'll deposit it for you, done deal. That's one thing. But when you look at the way our system's set up and how all these snakes are probably waiting in line to help these folks out, they're going to end up with nothing. History tells us that when we do stuff like that, the receiving person generally gets minimal. Yeah, so our next topic of conversation is actually the unaccompanied minors. So there have been many unaccompanied minors. They typically are allowed into the United States uh, when they present themselves or get caught at the border, whichever way you want to look at it. So I understand that there are different reasons why children would cross the border by themselves or unaccompanied. Um, There are cases where we seek to help them. Uh, in one case, person was placed with a family. It was a father and four children from what I read. And he was supposed to be an unaccompanied minor. His age was claimed to be 17. And if you look at Border Patrol, they'll say they'll roll their fingerprints. They'll check and whatever name and birth date they give, they'll check and see if that person has a history in the United States. But if they have no history, they're not on any, you know, international Interpol list or otherwise, and their fingerprints turn up nothing, then they are typically allowed in. And then if they're under the age of 18, they're being placed as if they were foster children. They're placed into a community member who says, yes, I'll take that person. So this was out of Florida, father, four children. The individual was actually 24. And the sad story is the police found him covered in blood, followed the trail of blood back to the murder scene of the man who took him in. Wow. And so this just shows, I understand that there are true unaccompanied minors, there are true people who need help, but then you have people like this who are really adults claiming to be children, getting allowed in, and then something happens. That sounds like the Little League World Series a few years ago, and I don't remember what country the kid was from. Dominican Republic. And I believe he was around 
17 plus? Supposed to be 14 or 13. Yes. And when I saw the game, I'm surprised I don't remember the team, and he was a towering figure over all the other kids, I said then something wasn't right. And obviously they figured out something wasn't right. They found a substituted birth certificate. I think they found his original or somebody came out and said, I don't recall exactly how they found it out, but ultimately he admitted to it. So let's go back to the U.S.-Mexico border. I've always had this thought that, you know, maybe it's time that we stop giving Republicans or Democrats advantages at the border and give the citizenry the advantage. How about we just go down there one day and just tear the wall down? Just take it completely down from one end to the other. Get with Mexico prior to taking the wall down and say, you know what, enough of this. We're going to either become one country or we're going to figure out how we can cohabitate together with that border open or no border. How do you feel about that? Given the number of terrorists that have tried to come up through the southern border, I'm not for it because they've already made it into Mexico and they are already coming up. So they, they, they've gotten there. And that's interesting because what I've been led to believe is Mexico's southern border used to be one of the toughest in the world to go through because they shoot you if you come across that border. So obviously then we need to strengthen up their southern border, open ours up, and come up with a system somehow. I think we could have kind of like the EU does, where you're allowed to go in and out of any country. You're not necessarily a citizen of the country that you go to. Uh, the, the citizenship would have, you would have to go through the citizenship process, whatever is laid out for that. But you basically have a free pass to move in through these EU-related countries. So that could be something that we could consider where we would be allowed to move freely and we'd have to have a reciprocal agreement in Mexico and in the U.S. that, that basically we'd say, this is who I am. I'm going to live in this city and you would be allowed to get a house. You would be allowed to go grocery shopping. You'd be allowed to go driving. They have certain requirements set up, but we could potentially be like a little mini EU, two countries. So as many Mexican citizens come up through the border that apparently love and want to be here in America. We would have to be in agreement with the country. The country would have to be in agreement with us. And if they're not, then there is no taking down of that border. There is no reciprocal movement agreement. But I do know that Mexico has a lot of money coming from the U.S. into Mexico. So their their people coming up stimulates their economy down there. So that's why they would never want to open the border. And they don't want to stop this from their side. And we don't want to stop it from our side. Because coming up on our side, it's uh, cheap labor. So they can come over and our cost of doing business goes way down. And then most of the families send, I think it's like 70% of what they earn up here back home. So then it's a win-win for Mexico as well. Yeah, there's other countries that have been known to do very similar things. Uh, For instance, India. Not all people do this, but there are individuals who ultimately will live together and basically create a bunkhouse, so to speak. Truck drivers, the trucking industry. The trucking industry will do that. Some in certain levels of IT, not all levels of IT, but some in certain levels of IT will do the same thing. The contractors, subcontractors of certain companies will do that, where they all live together, and then they, they're just based out of the house. They'll stay there when they need to stay there. They'll move on to a different city if they get moved, and they will typically get lower wages than what the American worker will get, and we could look at it and say, well, the government actually requires them to make wages on par with the rest of the United States, but ultimately they don't. If you look at our system, they are not making U.S. level wages, so they are cheaper labor. And when they're contractors, they're typically not getting any of the fringe benefits that you would get in an American package for hiring. Okay, so let's go to the other border. So I wonder how Canada, Canada, Canadians would feel if we open that border up up there. I don't think they want us. No? No. Man, nobody nope. wants Americans anymore. Nobody likes us. Nobody. I did read that another individual has an arrest warrant out 
The Durham probe is now leading to at least two arrest warrants, one for a Democrat leaning, not leaning, a Democrat related lawyer. He works on a lot of the campaigns and stuff like that. And then now we have the main source of the Steele dossier being uh, or that another arrest warrant was put out for him. And I believe he's Russian. Yes. And he was communicating directly with a Hillary Clinton advisor during the whole thing. So it was a true hoax. Uh, sorry for anyone who said it was real. I actually tried to to listen to a book on uh, an audio book that talked about how uh, Trump was colluding with Russia. But then after all of this information came out that it was a, a hoax, it was really hard to take the book seriously. So we now have a, a probe leading to arrest, but it took four years? Almost five years. Five years now? And so what what good is it? People already made all of their decisions and their leanings and all of that. It, it's done. It did its purpose. Well, basically, Trump should be able to go sue every one of them, which he may be doing if he has a legal foundation to do it, especially the Clintons. The only thing I fear is they're only arresting low-level people. They're never going to climb all the way to the top. And if they do start broaching the top then people that are on the lower level that can actually speak and tell you what happened, they'll start coming up with these mysterious suicides again because the uh, Clinton family seems to be real good at uh, making their close friends and allies die. That is true. They have had more suicides of acquaintances than I think anyone. I think the last count it was in the 50s. Something like that. So let's actually talk about something local. Let, let's go ahead and leave that that Russia collusion, suicide, all of that. What a follow. Okay. But I, I want to talk about something local, which is our bullet train to nowhere. We've talked about that. We've touched on it. But one of the things that had come up was a local family. They are, I believe they're Fresno County, but they might actually go a little bit south of that. A local family had a farm. They had the American dream. They, they were from Mexico, immigrated to the United States, became U.S. citizens, bought their house, started farming, personally fixed it up, worked you know, tirelessly to build their dream. And then we have the train, this bullet train. And the government has gone and started buying up land, bits and pieces here and there. And they went uh, and had someone come to their home and talk to them and say, don't worry, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. We're, we're actually not going to buy up your land. It will be okay. All will be okay. So they, they kind of believed it. And then it turned out that the government went and bought up all the f- surrounding farms, all of the neighboring farms. And then they let the neighboring farms, their, their, their actual farms, die. And that created the problem of pests. A bunch of pests took over, and then the pests started invading their farm because they had an active farm. And then they started building the elevated system. They cut off one avenue for them to get to their home. Now they had to go around and and come in another way. Well, it turns out when they put in this nice overpass to clear traffic from their area, they're going to cut off the other direction that they now had to to come to their house. So they're gonna get their house completely cut off from the current road system. So the government said, don't worry, we'll we'll put in another road for you. So they're gonna create this long winding road to get where it used to be a straight line to get them from the uh, freeway into their home. So if that's not bad enough that now they're losing access to their home, they have to create a special road that's no longer direct. They're going to have a 200 mile per hour train plus 200 plus mile per hour train running within a couple hundred feet of their door. And then this ginormous overpass is going to be there. So that's not bad enough. Their their land getting invaded by pests. The government put in a, a new well system. It depleted their water and they complained. Do you know what the government did for them? Sent them bottled water. That was nice of them are trained to nowhere. They've had to live with this for upwards of 10 years now because they've been putting this in over time. Right. And so we are taking the poorest of our communities and doing this to them. I'm not saying that they are directly poor. They have a farm, they're, they're building their house, they've built the American dream. But we're just looking at them and saying, here's some bottled water, 
you'll be fine. We'll, we'll build you a, a random winding road and enjoy the 200 plus mile an hour train that's going to drive by. And they'll probably charge them to build the road. That kind of reminds me of a Cambodian family here in town that uh, his dream was, the father's dream was to own a restaurant. So he bought a local hamburger stand from a guy that was retiring. And lo and behold, less than a year later, the high-speed train was supposedly going to go right through the middle of his restaurant. Well, he fought and fought and fought and lost, so they eminent domained it, didn't pay him a whole lot of money, broke their hearts, come to find out the train's not going to be anywhere close to where that restaurant was at, but the restaurant's gone. And actually in line with where his restaurant was at, they rebuilt the DMV across the street exactly where the train's going to go. So how much sense does that make? Wow. Wow. We are just, look at what we're doing to people. And we say the government is our solution. We destroy people. We being the government and obviously the United States of America, we destroy people, hand them a bottled water and walk away. Because it doesn't affect them. If it affected them, they would make better decisions. If they were held accountable for spending people's money, they would make better decisions. Yeah, same with the Pavarello house. So they had their property in South Fresno tagged as uh, going to the train, but then they couldn't agree on an amount, but the government still eminent domained it. It left them in limbo for eight years. Didn't pay them out for eight years, left them in limbo. And that, those are the people who are taking care of our poorest, who are taking care of the people and the government just puts them in limbo, doesn't pay them adequately, eight years. Yeah, we can talk story after story after story about that. It just so happens a little teeny boat that I happen to own is in a storage unit here in town. And they did the exact same thing to the owner of the storage unit. They wanted to run the train right through his property. So they ended up buying a big portion of it, ended up moving the train because it wasn't in the right location. The engineering was incorrect. So then they let him buy the property back. And I believe from what I read an article in the local newspaper or online, they charged him more than what he originally sold the property to him for. Oh, how lovely. Yeah, and it took out one of his only entrances and exits. And where he was going to put the other one, there would have been no way for the big RVs to get in and out. The government is definitely the problem. We need to be the solution. We, the people, we, the individuals, we who the Constitution actually protects, we need to be the reckoning force and say enough is enough. Thank you for listening this week. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. This has been a podcast produced and edited by the Dirt Sailor Duo. Mark and Shannon are a father-daughter team who both served in the United States Navy. This production is protected by copyright laws. Until next time, anchors away.